Well, good morning, Life Church. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited this morning to be able to continue our sermon series on the subject of prayer. Uh, we need to talk is what the sermon series is called. And if you're with us last week, you caught a great sermon by Pastor Mike as he kicked off the series, uh, kind of giving us an outline of what prayer was, some different ways that we can pray, and why we need to pray. And over these next five weeks, we're going to take some time to delve into that subject a little bit more and give you, um, kind of help you to mobilize your prayer time. And today I'm going to be speaking to you on the subject of intercessory prayer. If I had a title, I would title this message, Call on God. And how this is going to look is we're going to read a scripture, um, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to spend a few moments unpacking the idea of intercessory prayer, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the whys and the whats of intercessory prayer. And to do that, I'm going to give you about six points today, six thoughts on prayer, biblical thoughts on prayer. And at the end, I'm going to leave you with something very practical that you can take with you this week to help to implement that in your life. Okay, so you guys ready to go? At home, you're all saying, yeah, we're good to go. Okay, here we go. So our scripture today is Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, and we'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. And this is what it says. It says, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your presence, God. We're thankful that you are with us now, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And that means that you are with us right now, wherever we are, where we are separate together, you are with us, Lord God. And we're so grateful for your presence today. Father, we pray that your words would not return void, but they would accomplish what they have set out to do. I pray you'd help me to get out of the way and help me to speak clearly and concisely the message you've put on my heart to share this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So, intercessory prayer. How many of you are intimidated by that statement? Uh, (laughs) I know that it can sound a little bit different. It can sound a little bit intense. What is intercessory prayer anyways? Well, uh, intercessory prayer, what is it? Is intercession is prayer that pleads with God for your needs and the needs of others. I'm going to repeat that again, just so we can demystify that a little bit. Intercession is prayer that pleads with God for your needs and the needs of others. In that sense, an intercessor is one who takes the place of another or pleads another's case. It would be one who fills in the gaps. Okay, so, so here's my big idea today, church. Um, my big idea is this. The call to intercession is a call to partner with God in His work. That's my big idea today. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about intercessory prayer. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about becoming an intercessor. By the way, we are all called to intercession. The big idea, the call to intercession is a call to partner with God in His work. And this is one of the things I love about God is that he doesn't just uh, save us so that we can go to some beach somewhere and hang out and wait for the rapture. But God saves us and he gives us a purpose and he gives us a destiny. In the book of 2 Corinthians, it tells us that all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, but he's also given us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that idea that God has reconciled us to himself, but he's also given us that same ministry to be able to perform that for other people. To to reconcile us to himself, but giving us a ministry of reconciliation. 
You know, God has given us a great call to go out into the world and to reconcile people to himself. And one of the ways that we can do that is through intercessory prayer. What is an intercessor? I remember one of my first um, encounters with intercessors was when I was down at Seattle at a church called the City Church. And I spent two years down there as an intern in their, at their Bible college program. And one of the things that I, I, I came across right away is, was there was this group, this kind of this, 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 not secret group, but this group that would meet in the back room and they would pray. And during the service, in fact, they would gather together and they would pray over that service. And some of the things that I saw there over those two years was the fruit of, I believe, this intercession. Because every Sunday, at least two to three people would give their hearts to Jesus. And every Sunday, at least two to three people would get baptized. I attribute a lot of that to this group of intercessors. Life Church, did you know that we have that too? That we have a group of people who meets every week to pray for you. And when there's a need that pops up, you can even write it down right now in the side, uh, in, in the comments here as we're, we're running this service live. You can write it down in there right now. And there's a group that's waiting to pray for you and they will actually pray for you by name. They will call out your name before the Lord. They're the prayer warriors of Life Church. And this morning, I want to encourage and inspire you that as a church, we can join with them. It's not just for them, but it's, it's for all of us. And maybe you're intimidated or, or, or don't have the time to give to put in an hour and a half or two hours of prayer. But God has called us all to be intercessors. You too can join with us. And maybe it's not in an hour or two hour slot, but maybe it's just in taking a moment to raise up a person to the Lord today. We are all called to be intercessors. Can you imagine if we had a church that was a church that interceded? Yeah, and I believe that we do. I believe the evidence that I've seen from this church is that we have a church of intercessors. We have a church who believes in prayer. We have a church that values prayer. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to talk about six different biblical thoughts about intercession. This is going to tell us a little bit about the what of intercession. It's going to unpack that idea a little bit more. And it's also going to give us a little bit of the why and the motivation behind intercession. Okay? So here's my first thought. Number one. Intercession is standing in the gap for others. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29, there's a very famous passage that a lot of people reference when they talk about this idea of intercessory prayer. And this is what it says in the New King James. It says, The people of the land used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and the needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. So this is an image of uh, a corrupt land. And, and God is saying here, he's saying, I'm looking for somebody that will build a wall to stop the corruption from coming in. I'm looking for somebody to, to stand up and, and to take a stand and to, and to raise up a standard of righteousness and say, this is not going to come in here. And, and, and then what I'm looking for is somebody, when there's gaps in this wall, I'm looking for somebody to stand inside those gaps. I think we can kind of picture this, you know, like right away as I start thinking about these images of these like ancient battles, you know, and you've got this army that's like besieging this wall. And there's one area of the wall that's been broken down. And God's, the, the, our commander in chief is saying, will there be somebody that will go out there and will stand in that? Will there, be, will, there, will there be somebody that will stand in the midst of that gap and will stop the enemy from getting in? That's an image or a picture of intercessory prayer. It's, it's a picture of us standing in the gap on behalf of people around us. 
It's an image of us standing in the gap on behalf of, uh, of people that we don't even know. Maybe even people that we don't necessarily like. But standing in the gap, that's an image of intercession. There's a lot of examples of this in the Old Testament. Um, in, in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 16, um, there's a story about uh, the children of Israel who are under, at that time, the leadership of Moses and Aaron, and, and they rebelled against God. And because of their rebellion, the, 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 the consequences of their sin was a plague that came and started to take them out. And Moses looks at his brother Aaron and says, listen, you need to go uh, and you need to make atonement for this people. And so he goes and the Bible says in, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 38, that he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. It's an example from the Old Testament, this idea of standing in the gap. Unless you, unless you hear this from me today and you think, oh my goodness, how could a man possibly stand before God and do that? That's blasphemy. <laughs> Let me remind you of number two which is that Jesus is the ultimate intercessor. Jesus is the ultimate intercessor. See, when we intercede on behalf of the other people, when we stand in the gap on their behalf, we join in Christ's ministry. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? In Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore he is also able to make the uttermost uh, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The ultimate picture of intercession is the God-man, Jesus Christ who came to this earth in the form of a human being, took on our sins on himself and became the ultimate intercessor by dying for our sins on the cross and rising again on the third day. He has made a way for us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Well, guess what? He's reconciled us to himself, but then he's also given us a ministry of reconciliation. And church, we get to do that as we intercede for other people as well. The third thing about intercession is that it's a major part of spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 lets us in on a little secret. And it is this, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly place, places. So what Ephesians is telling us is that, hey, listen, you guys, there's actually more going on here. There's, there's more than what you see. There is a spiritual battle going on around us. Come on, and we know that there is an enemy. And he has his demons and he is coming and he is trying to come against the church. He is trying to come against us. And that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. How do we, how do we fight in this battle? Now, lest you think this is, you know, again, a, a mystical thing. I think a lot of times we get fooled into this thing, and man, this is really mystical, right? There's something going on here. I think a lot of spiritual battles are actually very, very practical. You engage in spiritual battle when you choose to get up on a Sunday morning and turn on your TV to church and, 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 and tune in. You engage in spiritual battle when you choose to engage your mind in a worship service rather than just sing the words back. You engage in spiritual warfare when you pray. And this is sometimes one of the hardest acts of spiritual warfare. 
because I know and you know that it's not always easy to pray. Prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines that we need to use for this warfare. Prayer in itself is an act of war. In praying, you are giving notice to the enemy to the enemy that God is in control in this situation you are praying about. That's what you're doing. You're saying, I'm going to take a moment here. I'm worried. I'm stressed out. I'm, I'm offended. I'm thinking about these things that are going on in my life right now. And you stop for a moment and you say, no, because my God is in control. And you declare that. And you're giving notice to the enemy that God is in control and that he can do what he wants to do. And you know what the Bible says? That God responds to that type of faith. I don't know why it is, but that's the way God's chosen to set it up is that he responds to that type of faith. In the book of Hebrews 11, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, that tells us that we can move the hand of God. There is spiritual warfare that's taking place right now and you can partake in it when you pray. When you pray. Number four. Intercession has eternal uh, impact. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, we're given a vision of, of, of heaven. And it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, he being is capitalized, so it means God. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You know, as Pastor Mike would say, your prayers matter. And your prayers count. And church, I want to tell you something. Your prayers matter far beyond what you see right now. But what you pray will have an impact in eternity. I'm reminded of um, a song. I can't help but go there as a worshiper from Matt Redman back in the day that I still love to sing sometimes about all the prayers of the saints like sweet smelling incense. All the prayers of the saints like Sweet-smelling incense to your heart. Come on today, let's fill up that bowl with prayers. Let's connect with God in a new way. Number five, intercession helps us to align our hearts with God's heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And uh, I just just thinking about that here, pray for those who persecute you. How does that align our hearts with God's heart? Do you realize that when we came to God, it wasn't because of anything great that we did? The Bible actually talks about us almost being like enemies with God. We're at enmity with God. And yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I, I think sometimes... I'll read you the quote. How's this? Corey Ten Boom says this. Discernment is God's call to intercession, never to fault finding. Corey Ten Boom said that. Think about that. I think a lot of times we think that when we hear something that is happening to somebody else, it gives us the right to talk about it. But what if when God fills us in on something that is happening in someone else's life, it's actually to inspire us to pray for them. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Who should we pray for? We should pray for everybody. 
But when we run across somebody who is obviously troubled and obviously having a hard time and obviously um, facing things and, 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 and reacting to those things, rather than being you know, personally offended, let's turn that into an opportunity to pray. Let's be like the Lord in that, that we can pray. We can align ourselves with his heart, which he came to us when we were still sinners, when we were at enmity with us. Then we can do the same for the people around us. This is kind of the outworking of even that part of the Lord's prayer that says, um, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's that same idea. That's one of the reasons why gossip is so... um, uh, um, destructive in the church. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, it, it mentions here that gossip is listed with a bunch of other sins. It says their lives have become full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice, malicious behavior, and gossip. How do you know that when God sees our sins, He doesn't sit in heaven and talk about it? Oh, hey man, did, angel, did you, see what, uh, did you see what that guy did? Did you see what they did? Can you believe that? Would you ever do that? No, I would never do that. God doesn't do that. We need to pray and ask God that our first response will be to bring the person and the issue to God. Intercession helps us to line our hearts with God's heart. And finally, number six, intercession changes us. James chapter 5, verse 16 in the New Living Translation says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. But I want you to hear that. It says, pray for each other, what? That you may be healed. See, what you might not realize is that when you are aligning yourself with God and you are praying for other people, you are actually being changed. Jack Hayford in his book, Intercessory Prayer, is quoted as saying, As we pray, the power of God enters the situation and begins to transform the situation. And in the middle of that, we are being transformed. Pastor Alistair Begg says, Prayer is an acknowledgement that our need of God's help is not partial, but total. I love that image. We're changed because we're realizing our need of God. We're changed because we're recognizing that He is what we really need in this situation. We're changed because we see that we serve the great King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God who is beyond all things and who is greater than all things. And we're changed because we're being reminded of the fact that we serve the mighty God, that nothing can stand before Him, that our God is King and He is in control and He is the Lord and ruler of everything. We're changed as we pray for others. Okay, so now we've talked a little bit about the what and the why, but how do we do this? Again, I'm going to revisit the scripture from the beginning. Isaiah 56, verse 7. I'll bring them to my holy mountain uh, of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. And I'll accept their burnt offerings and sacrifice because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Can you just see that? Can you just envision that? Life Church, a house of prayer for all nations? Come on. Now, maybe when you hear that, you feel overwhelmed. 
Maybe your eyes start to glaze over a little bit as you hear, you hear me talking about, well, you need to pray more. Why? Because prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's tough. It's not easy. My introduction to inter- inter- intercession was as a child, and my parents taught me a form prayer. You may have heard it before, uh, and it was along lines, I remember it. It was, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. And then I would pray, God bless Mommy and Daddy, Marcus and Jamie, and I'd go through this whole list, and I'd say, and all my aunts, uncles, cousins, and friends. And I would pray that every single night before I went to bed. And when I was a kid, that was enough. I was learning intercession. My parents were teaching me intercession without me even realizing it. But then as I grew older uh, and got more sophisticated in my faith, and I started to grow in it, and there comes a point where you make your faith your own, and there came a point where I made my faith my own. I remember coming back from a camp or whatever, and I'd be all pumped up, and I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. And I would go hardcore, man. I would get in there, and I would just pray with all I had. And I'd set my alarm, and I'd say, I'm going to do it for half an hour, you know, an hour. I'm going to pray for an hour. I'm going to be more spiritual. And inevitably, I would you know, get in there, and I'd give her, and I'd pray, and God bless this person, and bless this person, and go, 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 go. And I'd look at my clock, and it would be 15 minutes or five minutes, and I'd be done. I would be done. And it was discouraging. I thought, man, how am I going to get there? Well, here's what I've learned. A spiritual discipline is so that you can build spiritual muscles. And one thing I know about working out, I don't know very much about it, but what I do know about it is, if you go really, really hard the first time, you're going to get yourself so exhausted that you're going to be very unmotivated to go again. But if you can build up over time, you can build up your resistance and you can build up your spiritual muscles. Intercession is like that. You don't have to pray the the powerful two-hour prayer. Literally, just lifting up their names before the Lord is powerful. I recently saw a movie about this, um, and I would never recommend any movie from the pulpit because there's always going to be something that's going to offend somebody. But I'll just tell you, it was about Mr. Rogers. And in this movie, there's a scene where Mr. Rogers would get up in the morning and he would have a list of names. And how he would pray for them is he would just very simply and very directly and intentionally list each name. John Henry, Mark, whatever the name was. And he would read each one. And that impacted me so greatly. And so now I've started to do that. When I go for my walks in the morning with my dog, I'll often, the Holy Spirit will bring to mind three, two to three people from our church, and I will lift you up to the Lord by name. I don't always pray the most powerful prayer behind that, but I say, Lord, I pray for, and I'll say your name today. Lord, I pray for, and I'll say your name. It can start small. So here's my challenge to you today, and we're going to end, okay? Here's my challenge. Number one, it's a three-person challenge. This is what I want you to do this week. Very practical. In the morning, when you wake up, I want you to stop. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And again, don't get super mystical on me here, okay? This is really practical. Just stop for a moment. Trust that God is speaking to you. And when you hear a name in your mind, take down those first three names that you hear. Write them down on a piece of paper. And then just spend a few moments lifting them up before the Lord. And if that's overwhelming to you, all you need to do is say, Lord, today I pray that you would bless so-and-so. And God, I pray that you would bless so-and-so. And I pray that you would bless so-and-so. Now, if you're like a super prayer, if you're already like, you know, one of our intercessors, go ahead and take a couple hours to do that if you want to. But for the rest of us, let's just practice lifting up other people today. 
Okay, that's a really practical thing. Now, if you want something else to pray, I'm going to pray something over you right now. It's one of my favorite prayers in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to pray this over you as we close today. And you can also take this, this verse and you can pray this over the people in your lists. Okay, and it's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. I have not stopped thanking God for you, Life Church. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you a spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. So, Life Church, my prayer for you today is that you would grow in your faith. I pray that this message has encouraged and inspired you. And I pray today that you are able to partake in the partnership that we have with God as we intercede for other people. Amen.